Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Heart of Sports with Jason Springer and Jeff Cohen, powered by Eli K25. We are thrilled to join you on WWDB 860 AM, 97.5 HD2, a part of the Beasley Media Group, ready to help you move into the weekend talking about all the news in the world of sports. Jeff signals for a touchdown and tries to mimic me in the background. <laughs> well, you know, every time we hear this disclaimer beforehand, <laughs> I, I keep wanting, I think, you know, maybe we should say something offensive <laughs> so they have something to disclaim. Right? This, right? this way they can object to what we're actually saying. Yes. All right. I, look, we got Lou Nolan at 405. you should say, not me. Of course. Right. I've already been mm. the one that screwed up live on the air before. So you know, okay. well, I think what we need to do our weather report. Our weather I think report. that's what we need to do first. Will the flowers be growing, Jeff? Yes. They will well, be. See, look, you skipped the weather report because all week it has been raining. It has. And that makes the roots grow strong, which means the tree is going to get stronger. And eventually the football team, I don't know how we get to that. Analogy, all right, But Nick, that's how we get there. Look, it's not bad enough that I have to watch this slop on the field. But now I have to hear this. You know what's awesome? Press conferences. Just when you thought that 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 press conference when he first got here couldn't get worse, been forgotten. No, it's a, it gets pulled back in. It's like the Godfather. I have a bigger problem <laughs> with the fact that they don't hand the ball off after it works. Like I have a bigger problem with the way they're actually coaching the team than the things he's saying. Well, look, but right before we started the show, you were talking about that the Eagles. This is just our luck. This is the year that there's not a lot of quarterbacks. The quarterback's the least of your problem. You actually have two. Like, people forget. Who's your backup quarterback? Gardner Minshew now. And he's not that bad. Joe Flacco traded he this probably, week. He's probably one of the better backup quarterbacks in the league. So that's not your issue. It's the offensive line. It's the linebackers. Oh, the linebackers. It, it's the defensive line. We, it's we it's the invested. wide receivers It's it's it, who can't catch the ball. By the way, they, your, your first-round pick that you had to sneak up and get ahead of the Giants, how many balls did he drop last week? Yeah, I know. A lot. It's a problem that a Giants fan is sitting here ripping. No, it's not because a Giants suck just as bad. I actually think that in some places they're the Giants they're better might off not. Right now. The, the Giants literally might have to be like, what's that? What was that high school team that was like faking it? <laughs> that that's gonna have to. That's who the Giants. The Giants are gonna have to get some of those kids to come on the team. They lost Peppers for the rest of the season too. They got they got like nobody left except Danny Dimes. We will have Flyers PA announcer in a few minutes. Lou Nolan fourth at four oh five four thirty. We will have Major League umpire Chris Conroy who was behind the plate for Game One of the World Series. Not gonna want to miss that. Jeff, the Flyers. Or I'm the not going to wear a message. The, or, the or, Eagles or got smoked last around. week. Uh, they're now two and five after losing to the Raiders. Uh, I have no idea what the defense is doing. This stat is still crazy to me. Derek Carr completed 31 of 34 passes. That's a 91.2 percent uh, completion percentage. Yeah, if he got to play the Eagles every week, he would be in the. In the band. Eagles' first 1,285 games, they allowed eight quarterbacks to complete 80 percent of their passes. In their last five games, they've allowed four of them to do it. That's pretty cool. That's bad, right? Like, that's not how it's supposed to work, correct? I don't, know. I don't understand. I don't know. Uh, oh, it's because you're not patient. It's You're not following the watering analogy. Uh, if you just stay with the watering analogy. See, would, would you, after you plant that seed, would you just give up I on it after a couple it. weeks? I can't huh? take it. You're w killing me. I mean, would you just stomp on the seed? Would you cut the little seedling? No, you, you uh. would... You need to nourish it and let it grow. And you need to ha let Harry Roseman have another five years and let Nick, Nick Sirianni have a whole bunch of years just so they can watch the tree grow and maybe some apples come off of it too. That's the bigger problem <laughs> is that they're not probably going to make any changes to the structure that's there that's creating this. Because you must let it grow. <laughs> 
killing me. This could, I, I could do this all day. I know. All right. So are they going to lose no, this because, week? Here's what I want to know of that whole discussion he just had. I would love to have been in the locker room to see the looks on the faces of his team. Like, what is he talking about? Well, the players, what are we supposed to the do? players haven't quit on him yet. They just haven't played well I didn't enough. say they were going to quit on him. I just said that, you know, they need may need to get umbrellas. You want to bring on our guest? So uh, on the line now, I believe we have somebody. Lou, uh, before we, you say anything, I just want to do something that, that so many people have gotten to listen to you do and see what your answer is. Are you ready for some hockey? <laughs> I am ready. So we have Lou Nolan on the line, the voice of the Flyers for now half a century. Lou, congratulations on that. And, and what is it like for you to have been part of this organization for so long and be such a part of the fabric of the Flyers? Well, uh, it's kind of astounding to me because, uh, you know, I was just hoping that I would last a year. <laughs> and, uh, you know, it's sort of become uh, part of my life. For sure. I know my wife, Ellen, would definitely say that, that some of the different things that we could have been to and were interrupted by a hockey game. Uh, there have been <laughs> many, many of them. And it's, it's a commitment, and it's good fun. I, uh, I'm i happy. I mean, I never, ever thought uh, that 50 years would eclipse. Uh, I mean, after all, that's pretty ridiculous, you know? And 50 years with an organization like this that they kind of treats their players as family and has them come back. You know, speaking of coming back, last season was completely different. No fans in the arena. What is it like for Lou Nolan to have fans back to respond when you're announcing? Well, two-part answer to that question. Uh, number one is that uh, to set the stage, uh, we played in the bubble uh, two years ago, made the playoffs, uh, and there wasn't any, of any, uh, wasn't any ice in the building at all, uh, and um, no fans. And then we came into the uh, uh, the Wells Fargo Center last year uh, with a hockey team for uh, a limited number of games, I think 60, I may be wrong, and um, no fans. Uh, and just trying to uh, uh, do the same quality job that we normally would do. Um, you know, it was, uh, it was simulcast uh, outside to fans that wanted to be part of it. And then I guess near the end, uh, the city of Philadelphia decided that they would ease up and allow somewhere around around 3,000 people to, uh, to come into the building. Um, now, coincident with the COVID situation, the protocol was that the announcers, all the announcers, 32 of us in the league, would move from the penalty boxes, if we hadn't already been somewhere else, uh, to different locations away from the players and um, – we did that. I, I wound up in the, our press area, uh, and um, I'm still there. Uh, I never went back to the penalty box. So I don't know if I will or I won't. It doesn't sound like I'm going to be going back there, which disappoints me. But, uh, hey, I understand it. it doesn't change the way I feel about the game nor the way I feel about uh, uh, presentations that get done and, and um, you know, taking the same thing to the fans the, uh, so that hopefully they enjoy it. Well, wait, why don't you just take a cheap shot against the ref and maybe you'll get a two-minute mi two minor and they'll send you back to the penalty box. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good point. That's a good point. Jeff, maybe, uh, maybe you're being too nice is the problem, Lou. Jeff's here for his ideas. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, it's uh, too nice. I don't know. Uh, but 
uh, I had been told uh, a couple of times that, uh, you know, when they did that whole thing, when they threw the bracelets that one year and, and I told the fans, now you've done it, you know. Uh, <laughs> I that I seemed like an impetuous school teacher. And, um, true, I probably did because I don't, I don't like when fans disrupt the game like that. That's not right. And, uh, you know, I, I also had a referee tell me, uh, you know, when we scored a lot of goals, probably a day after a concert where they blew confetti everywhere, every time we scored, they blew the horn. And uh, there'd be you know, 10 pieces of confetti that would come <laughs> slowly down and reach the ice, at which point the linesman would have to pick them up because if you're skating and you hit a piece of paper, you're in trouble. You'll stop quickly. So um, uh, he told me, he came over, uh, Paul Dvorsky, and he said, Louie, you blow that horn one more time, I'm going to give you a minor. I said, Paul, I don't blow the horn. He said, well, you better make a phone call. Then. <laughs> what did you so, do? I called him and told him not to blow the horn. <laughs> we, didn't need, we didn't need an extra penalty or any penalty for that matter. Did they listen? Oh, yeah. Well, I always listen to what they say. Speaking so of. When, used to, when the referees are talking to me, they'd be very quiet so they can hear what's going on. Speaking of blowing the horn, this team is off to a hot start this year. 4-1-1, one, and one, scoring a lot of goals. A lot of different faces on this team. What are you seeing out there this year? You got a good look? Well, uh, I, I did, and I have a, a small look like all the rest of us have gotten. Uh, but uh, it seems to me that there's uh, been some moves made by Cliff Fletcher to, to uh, make things better for pair number one, bringing in uh, a number one defenseman, Ryan Ellis, although he's hurt right now, but he'll be back in. That makes Provorov better and gives us a real solid number one. And, you know, the, the veterans that have come in, uh, uh, Linen, I love that guy. I mean, he is just a crazy man. And um, he brings a real toughness to the game. And, um, you know, you get hit in the face with a puck, you go off the ice, and you come back, you know, with your eyebrows stitched and a, and a black a black eye, but you're back in there. That's that's hockey player to me, you know. Um I don't know what that would mean for somebody in uh, another sport, whether they'd be after the year, but um, not a hockey player. But uh, I think that these forwards, too. I mean, Cam Atkinson, I think, what's he have, six goals in five games? Yeah, he's off to a hot start. You've got Couturier leading the team with nine points. Giroux has four goals already. Well, you know, they all play together, so the tendency is if somebody scores, the other guys are going to be assisting the way way they rush. We're scoring off a rush, and – for a while, that didn't happen very much. We'd score a lot of garbage goals in front and so forth, but it seems like we're scoring off rushes now, which is uh, really good. And, and the power play special teams seem to be doing well, too. And that's all without Kevin Hayes. Uh, so uh, I think the forwards are improved. I think the defense is improved. And I guess uh, right now what we're seeing from uh, Mart- Martin Jones and, and um, Hart, you know, it looks like the goaltenders are going to be good, too. So hopefully things are good for us going forward. You know, when you're at a hockey game, to me, there's nothing more exciting than being at a hockey game in person. When you're at a game, I mean, you have a job to do, but is there ever a point when when you just get so excited you forget that you're doing what you're doing and just become a fan? Uh, No, I would say that doesn't happen. It may have happened early on, uh, once or twice. But, uh, I mean, you know, fortunately the mic's off, so I want it to be on. 
So uh, there have been times when big goals have been scored where I've, uh, you know, let out a quick, yeah, or something of that nature, but nothing that's on the air, certainly. And, um, um, you know, uh, I guess I've seen so many goals now, you know, when you see 50 years worth, crying out loud, it takes a lot to get you excited. They've got to be really big goals. And um, uh, even when I watch the game at home, my wife will tell, tell you that I sit there quiet as a church mouse. We score goals. I don't even move. I mean, you know, it's just I'm, I'm, I'm focused in and watching. Uh, unless it's a big goal, and I better put my arm up in the air, something of that nature. Is it of of all the goals that you have seen in person? I'm guessing you're going to say Stanley Cup, but what other than Stanley Cup goals? What's the one that you most remember? The one that most excited you? I guess uh, JJ Daniel, maybe. Uh, uh, I guess maybe it was Quebec. I don't know. There was some when we, we, we won the series there. Uh, he scored a big goal from the point, and um, Dave Poulin, some of Dave Poulin's goals that uh, win games uh, in overtime. Uh, you know, I, I, I'm excited when the nice guys get it done, and uh, most of the hockey players are pretty good people. So um, it's hard to focus on a single goal. I mean, big goals against the Russians. Um, you know, and Joe Watson scored one against the Russians after they came back after going off the ice. I remember Freddie Shiro said uh, Joe Watson set the Russian program back 10 years uh, when he scored. <laughs> and, uh, he wasn't exactly a, a, a guy that had great hands, you know. I'm curious. You're somebody who's, you know, you talk about the Russians and what the fan experience was like and how crazy it was then. Obviously, there's a lot more pumped in now with fans. But what's your thought on how it's changed the atmosphere in the arena through the years? Well, um, the Spectrum was a building on its own. I mean, uh, people came to hockey games in the early years, decided that they really loved it. Uh, when it was very reasonable to get to a game and uh, uh, just espoused the Flyers. And uh, the building was electric uh, for some of the big games. Uh, you know, it, my headset would crackle. Uh, you know, it was amazing when people cheered. Um, and then in the Wells Fargo Center, the uh, first game we had in there, I think, was the U.S. against Canada in uh, one of the cup games. And, um, and that was a that was a, a really loud game. Uh, and, of course, in, in the Stanley Cup games in the finals in 2010, they were loud. And, and I guess it would have been uh, uh, some of those games where we were really scoring goals that meant a lot. But, you know, you could fit the spectrum the width of the spectrum inside the building. Uh, so, and the pitch of the seats is such that uh, the, the fans aren't as close to the players. You know, we had 17,000, I don't know, 77, uh, but the pitch of the stadium was really great for hockey. You never had to stand up if you didn't want to. You could always see over the person in front of you. Of course, they did stand up. You know, now, uh, you know, if you're at a game and, uh, uh, it's it's changed a bit. Uh, you know, some fans aren't sitting close to their old friends. Uh, tickets are a lot more. People are saying, okay, I'll, I'll buy my ticket. Maybe I'll go to 20 games because of my schedule now. I've matured. I'm a little different, and I'll sell off 20 or something of that nature. So fans are constantly rotating. Uh, doesn't mean that we don't see the same people once in a while, but uh, it means that uh, it, it's a lot different. 
And um, I don't know. I guess the width, the width and length of the building, and the volume that uh, the cheers take, it's just not like the spectrum was. But hey, this, maybe this year where it will be. Well, we have coming up on I think November sixteenth at the Wells Fargo Center. The Flyers are inducting Paul Holmgren and Rick Tockett. Uh, how much are you looking forward to that, and what are your m- best memories of them? Well, uh, I have good memories of both guys. Uh, you know, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm very pleased and and uh, honored to be able to do that ceremony. Uh, I think I'm going to do it. I haven't heard that I am, but I probably will. And, uh, you know, a couple of good guys uh, that I've uh, known for years. I mean, Tocht grew up here and scored big goals here. You know, tough guy, boy. I've seen him in the penalty box a number of times. <laughs> like, you, know, you guys know that. You know? He was a neighbor for a while. Yeah. Uh, by the way, by the way, before you finish with that, Lou, I'm detecting a theme. It seems like your best friends are the people that spent the most time in the penalty box. <laughs> yeah, that's funny. It happens, isn't it? Yeah, What's yeah a- it's, you know, it's, Back in the days when, uh, you know, like guys like Bob Kelly and I worked with that glass in the early years, he used to be able to say to me, hey, Louie, uh, you know, I'm going to put somebody in your lap today. And sure enough, <laughs> tip that guy laying in my lap, you know, all of, our, all of our buttons would be pushed by mistake and the scoreboard would go bananas and the office officials would be all excited. So a lot of stuff happened because of friendships with guys. I mean, I traveled with that team a bit, so I got to know these guys in a couple of years. And uh, good relationships come from that kind of stuff. What's it like for you when everyone gets back together? Uh, terrific. You know, you, you think of it when you when you went to your high school reunions and you saw your friends. Uh, just imagine if you go to a, a group of hockey players who are, are colleagues, friends, fought together, uh, played together. Uh, did all these kinds of things, which which I feel like I was really a part of, and and you get together for these these things like, you know, it's going to happen with the alumni game coming up on the fifteenth. I mean, it's amazing, it's amazing to see guys and uh, and, and get a chance to uh, to talk to them again. We do have a, a an alumni team that Brad Marsh organized that is plays, so we see guys come in at different times to play in some of these games, but. For instance, nice to see a guy like Robert Esch, you know, come in and play a couple of games with us, and it's fun. It's fun, you know, Danny Briere, guys like that. So, uh, and of course, uh, Eric and Johnny LeClaire, you know, who uh, certainly I announced a lot of his goals, uh, 53 or four years in a row, I think. It's amazing. But John knew where to go. He'd go in front of that net, and somehow the puck would get to him, either Renberg uh, or, or Eric make a blind pass and John would be there to swat it past the goalie. You know, you don't have to make every one, but if you, you get, uh, you know, uh, one out of every five shots, maybe one out of every three, you've got a good shooting percentage. You're going to be okay. Lou, we always love when we, we get some time with you. We know the Flyers will come back from their West Coast trip and we can't wait to hear your voice. We're so glad you're down there and we hope they keep playing well for you to see. Thanks so much for giving us a little time. Hey guys, it's uh, it's it's great to be on with you. Uh, you know, whenever you get a chance to uh, uh, plug me in there again, please be sure to do it uh, as we get through the year, and hopefully we'll have the same winning percentage as we have right now. Uh, we'll definitely keep it up, and we'll call you back. You have a great one, Lou. Take care, guys. Bye bye. 
Jeff, did, I know it's like past your bedtime and stuff, but did you stay up for the Flyers right at all? Right now it's past my bedtime? No, the it's Flyers close lately. to my They're bedtime. The... It's not past my bedtime. <laughs> I wasn't talking about the yeah. earlier bird special today. <laughs> I was talking about the West Coast games that start at 10 o'clock for the Flyers. No, I don't watch the West Coast games. I Look, I, you know my kid goes to a West Coast school and I don't even... I bought the Pac-12 package uh, and I still don't stay up and I watch I was it. texting with our board op <laughs> on the other side, Vito. Um, both of those games were drunk hockey. They were like late night, crazy scoring, crazy plays. It was just fun if you stayed up to watch it. You mm-hmm. don't normally see the Flyers go out on a West Coast swing like this and play as well as they are. The thing that's most significant, which we didn't necessarily get into with Lou, is what they're doing on the penalty kill. They're still committing way too many penalties. They've committed 25 penalties, but they've killed 21. That's an 84% May- maybe they're percentage. All, maybe they're all vying to become friends with Lou. Maybe, but yeah, look, last that. season they were 30th ranked in the NHL. They surrendered more power play goals than any other team in hockey. Mm-hmm. So if you can fix that and you fix the defense and the goaltending, all of a sudden now you've got an offense that seems Who's like out? it's able to produce. Who's out right now? Uh, Ryan Ellis is still out. And who else? Uh, Kevin, Kevin Hayes is still out. Okay, so when they come back, there's your problem solved. They don't have to go out and get anybody right now. They just need to get healthy. No, exactly, and they're yeah. playing well as it is. Mm-hmm. Uh, you were down last night at the Sixers game. By the way, did you see that the City Series or the Spectrum jerseys, they're actually going to have a Spectrum court? Speaking of Lou talking about mm, no. the Spectrum fitting inside, they're going to yeah. have a court that looks like the old Spectrum when? layout. When they wear the jerseys that are like this old Spectrum jerseys that they have. Did they announce those? Did I miss that? I saw something about it. Are they selling them already? I don't know. I'll find the link oh, for you. okay. All right. Glad you were prepared for the show today. So tell me about the game last what, night. What, by Jeff? knowing what jersey somebody <laughs> may wear a couple months in advance? I'm not the, by the way, I'm not the fashion maven that you are. That's why we Jeez, do a radio Captain show, Jeff. Captain Sweatshirt with what's the t-shirt on underneath? Uh, classically trained video game. Uh, there you go. There you go. See, so, so I can't keep up with the fashion like you. Uh, well, not All everybody right. can. I so know. Tell me about the atmosphere down there for the game last night. For the Sixers game. Yes, we, for the we've Sixers now segued to a different sport, right? Yes, we did. Okay. Tell me about what it was like down there. The Sixers are, I mean, they had the game in hand forever, I, I, and then I, all of a sudden they didn't. So I, I got I to gotta tell you, uh, it's, first of all, they said it was sold out. It was, there weren't that many people there. Okay. That's first of all. All right. Second of all, there does not seem to be the enthusiasm in the building that I've, I mean, Sixers games are really exciting to go to. I just didn't feel it. I don't know if it's me. I don't know what the deal is. Uh, and, and by the way, as I'm watching this team, I'm going, no, they're really not that good. Like, Joel Embiid is a, another knee twist, fall to the ground. He's already got knee soreness. Out. Your yep. concern so, level of his knee at this point in the season already. Yeah, and, and, and they have, and I know you like Tyrese Maxey, they have zero point guards. Zero. There is nobody on this team that is a true point guard because Shea comes in the bo- game and he is a turnover machine. I mean, I you watch that game, everybody was turning over. The passes that were made were horrible. I mean, my seats are like kind of right behind the, the Sixers bench and you're watching those passes and the angles they're throwing the ball make no sense whatsoever. What's Doc they saying that while that happens? Is he just watching it? He, he just looks down every time. I mean, that, that, that's, I mean, it, it's very frustrating to watch this team. And, and you just, I don't think right now they're not using Niang. And, and, and as much as I, I like him, uh, Danny Green has Oh, he's hit, had a terrible season. Has, has not he can't hit, hit the broadside of a barn in his defense. He's committed so many fouls. Well, but the, the no, but that's, a, see, this is why that plus minus thing always makes me cringe because he had a plus yesterday and he had zero points. Yeah, he wasn't a plus on the court. So, so I don't. 
And I like Danny Green as a player, but you're just looking at the play out there, and it's not what you expect or what you need out of him. But what are you going to do going forward? Do you really think Tyrese Maxey is going to become a true point guard? Because even I I listened to his post-game press conference, and and he was even down on himself. He's trying to. I don't know if he will, but you can see he's trying to. I mean, he was focused last night. He was focused on how he cut his turnovers down to four. So clearly, he's focusing on being a more effective point guard. But you're right; they don't have somebody who is, you know, a plug and play point guard for this team right now. They don't have anybody They're- who's doing the pick and roll. They have a guy that they should be picking and rolling constantly, and it just doesn't seem like they know how to do it. There's nobody on this team that just seems to be able to do it the way that even like J.J. Redick used to do. Why not? That's what I don't understand. And and that falls to the front office because they should be getting people that play to those positions and play to those strengths, and they're not doing it. I don't know if Niang can do that. He doesn't look like that's kind of his strength. So who have you added to this team that can do that? Well, you haven't, and that's the challenge. And look, I mean, they're not finding Ben anymore. He's out there talking to people and we'll see if he ends up coming back. Do you think he gets on the court at some point? I look, I I've told you, I think he does. Um, and, and I, and there's a a road game. You know, what's weird. Like I talked to some people outside the building yesterday and they, there is this level of enthusiasm for Ben coming back that I just didn't expect in, in the parking lot of the Wells Fargo center. There are people. Were, not just, everybody talk- is enthused about no, it. No, but there were people. These aren't friends of mine. These are. I just just walking around the parking lot talking to people, and and somebody said, J- "Just you wait. He's going to come back, and he's going to play because they're not going to get a deal, and he's actually going to play well." And and it does make sense. Try to sell him a bridge. No, because it it because if you look at this team, if Ben can learn to do one thing. Which is shoot free throws. Come on. You are not going to sit on the air. We have done this for what? four years now. We've sat on the radio and said, if Ben can just shoot. If I'm ben not can saying just do he that. can. I'm saying if he can do the one thing, forget the. If you now lower your expectations for what you want of him, and he just goes to point guard and he gets past this, this mental issue that he apparently has, then they, he's going to be better for this team than anybody they're going to get because they're not getting Lillard. I don't care. And and by the way, they're not getting Lillard even after Chauncey Billups ripped his team the other day. They're not getting Lillard, but I don't think that he'll end up here in the long run. I think that they try and bring him back into the team and they still try and trade him. Yeah, but he's got to get it back on the court first. Wow. So he's is he going to get they're not going to put him on the court for 3 seconds and then take him off. He's going to actually play in the playoffs. <laughs> no, they didn't do it in the playoffs <laughs> and that's why they lost. Nice try, though. <laughs> uh, so they they. But do you really think if you look at the roster of this team, do you say they're even if they got Lillard, they're not as good as Milwaukee. They're not as good as Brooklyn. Who knows what Atlanta is? Like, what about Miami? I don't think they're as good as Miami. Exactly. Do you think they're as good as the Celtics? They could probably go toe to toe with the Celtics and the Knicks in a series, but that's okay. probably the class of where they are. Well, they didn't go to toe to toe. No, they got blown the, out by the Knicks. Exactly. They didn't even like show up for the game. Basically. And next next week, you and I are supposed to be going. I think they're playing the Bulls. You think they're as good as the Bulls? I don't. No, I don't. I and mean, the, the Bulls, Bulls were undefeated have... until last night. They just lost a significant player. The Bulls to injury are... for the season, the, but the Bulls are undefeated. Who did they lose for the season? I'll look it up. Not Vucevic. Um, no, DeRozan, DeRozan, or Levine. Those three. Once they haven't, they haven't even played together long enough to figure out what their roles are. When those three figure that out, complementary players around them, 
They're going to be really good. Their forward, Patrick Williams, is going to miss the rest of the season with a dislocated wrist. Yeah, and, and as much as that hurts them, those three, I'll take those three over the Sixers' top three, whichever one you want to take. Who is the Sixers' top three now? Embiid, Harris. Thank you. And Curry. Okay, so that's your three. Yeah. All right. Yeah, I would take somebody else's. Who else else's. would it be? I would take somebody else's top three. I, 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 it scares me when they pass. You got anything else you want to say before we hit the break and we talk some baseball with an umpire who's no, it's, had a low it's, exposure? No, it's Halloween weekend. I literally gave you the segue for the commercial. It scares me. All right. Buy, a, do- buy a dog, Jeff. Mm-hmm. Let's go to break. When we come back, we'll talk to Chris Conroy. Operating engineers are the men and women that move mountains. And the Engineers Labor Employer Cooperative, ELEC, puts them to work. They create opportunities for the men, women, and union signatory contractors of Local 825, repaving our roads, keeping our homes bright and warm, and even building our favorite team stadium. We understand infrastructure. That's why ELEC and Local 825 are ready to get to work. If you were watching the World Series the other night, uh, game one, you saw the man that we're talking to today behind home plate, Chris Conroy. Thanks so much for giving us a few minutes in between games. How are you doing today? Doing fantastic. Thanks for having me. How are you guys? We are wonderful. I have to ask you, what was that experience like for you? You're you're a, a man. We're going to go through your journey. You you yep. started at the bottom for this yes. all, and and yep. there you are in the spotlight. Game one. Yep. Tell me about it. You know, just thinking about hearing you ask me that question and just starting to think about how I would answer it. Got the goosebumps going again all over my body. Um, it was a, uh, you know, uh, just a, a dream come true. It was everything I imagined it would be it was uh exhilarating it was nerve-wracking it was um it was fan- it was just fantastic um to get that phone call um and to think back on all the years you put into coming through the minor leagues and then you know from the time you get hired in the major leagues it's it's a process then to even be considered for an assignment like that and um it was just a, a remarkable thing it still hasn't quite sunk in and hit me totally even though we're you know about to have the third game of the series tonight. Um, you know, it's still, my feet still have barely got back on the ground from the, from the day I got the phone call. Um, it's just been a, it's just been an awesome experience and a, a dream come true. Well, you meant, you mentioned that, you know, you get goosebumps even now thinking about yep. it at yep. what point. So you go out there, you have to do your prep too. And you yep. get out to the field and all mm-hmm. of a sudden the national anthem is playing and you're standing at home plate. Yep. What is, what does it feel like? What goes through your mind? At what point, and what point do you settle down just like a player? You know, they always yeah. talk about players have butterflies when they first they yep. have to like settle down. Same thing with you, I assume. Same thing. It's, it's, it's a little different because typically, you know, timing wise, we, we typically were not out on the field for all that sort of pregame kind of, you know, the pomp and circumstance kind of stuff. We're, we're in our room and typically we'll come out and the timing is such that we just, we go right to home plate. The managers come out, we do the lineup cards, ground rules, and then, typically, you know, the Astros take the field and then we're off and running. So, you know, there's, there's kind of a, you know, like the, the moment you just kind of alluded to, it's like, there's, there's a moment when the plate meeting is done and, and, you know, the team's about to take the field and, you know, each guy there kind of gives you, they give you like a pound on your chest protector, like, Hey man, this is, you know, go get it, have a great game. And, and then they all break. And then there's kind of a moment where, where I'm just kind of standing there by myself before, before the Astros hit the field. And that was kind of like a, all right, this is about to happen. <laughs> um, and, you know, you, you kind of look around, the, the rally towels are going, it's loud. 
Um, but, you know, again, once you once then the game starts, kind of that first pitch comes down the pipe and then it's like, all right, this is this is a baseball game. You've done thousands of these. Um, you know, you always know the the scrutiny and the you know, the lights are are brighter and the focus is more intense. But, you know, it's like, I, all right, I'm you know, hey, there's a there's a strike. There's a ball, you know, like I've done many, many other times. And let's just let's just go do it. So. I was always curious, that scrutiny, you know, it used to be you just had the fan yelling from the stands at you that, yep. you know, everybody can hear. Now there's social media and there's all these other ways. What's that like yep. for an umpire to to not be impacted by all of the noise that's going on around you and just focus yep. in to do your job? Yeah, well, I'm not on social media, so that helps. That helps. Um, uh, I, I, make it, I make it a concerted point to not Google my name ever during the season because... I know it's probably not going to be stuff I'm going to want to see or, <laughs> or hear. I mean, again, like in my mind, I, I, I know it's out there because I know that the job I do sort of elicits those kind of responses from fans. I get that. Like, I know it's out there, but at, at, at the same token, I, I certainly don't want to read it because, you know, I don't think people really enjoy reading themselves getting ripped to shreds over, you know, I'm not, I'm not the, I'm, I'm not the, the worst person in the world because I called a, 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 a pitch a strike that's a quarter of an inch off the plate like I'm not you know I'm I'm a, I'm a decent guy I got a, a wife who loves me I got kids who love me I you know I'm you know but some people it's it, it gets pretty it gets pretty crazy out there and I just I really just stay away from it entirely and just try to not even let it creep into my my life at all <laughs> so so you mentioned that you have you have you have kids yeah finally make it to the world series you're wearing a mask yes do, do your kids recognize who you are did you tell them you're behind home plate Oh yeah, they know. They they know. Oh yeah, they know. It's funny, funny story about that. I was sharing this with Amy yesterday. So when I get the call that I'm working the World Series, you know, we're now trying to, you know, figure out travel plans and bring in my family. And we're kind of explaining to the kids that all right, we're gonna, you know, hey, look, daddy got his first World Series and you're gonna you guys are gonna come on the road, you're gonna miss school for a week. And I have twins, 12 years old. And um one of them was, you know, of course like I would have been at the same age, fired up. Hey, miss some school right, right on. You know, <laughs> the other one, the other one was like downtrodden because, Oh, now I got to make up my classes. I'm going to miss gym. They're going to make me make up gym. I'm like, I, I'm like, are we really having this conversation right now? Your dad just got his first world series assignment. Some guys never work one in their entire career. We're, we're willingly taking you out of school for a week. Like what 12 year old doesn't like sign up. I mean, immediately for that. And so it, it, it was just a, it was just so funny. But then once we got into Houston, they got to the game. Then they were, then they were all about it. They got in the environment. Now they're all, they're all jazzed up. But it just was a funny, it was a funny thing. It was not quite the, the reaction I was. It was a reaction I was expecting from one of them, but not the other one. Do you have to so, send in a note from the ump, like a doctor's note, for the excuse of <laughs> my daughter won't be in school? You know, I mean, being in the Philadelphia area, people love their sports. They love, they love the <laughs> Phillies. I was like, I, I said to my daughter, I said, look, do me a favor go into your teachers and just tell them the reason why you're going to be missing school. <laughs> and I'm, I'm willing to bet they're going to be, they're going to think it's pretty cool and you're going to be okay. And, and then they came home and I was like, well, and they're like, Oh, okay. You were right. You know, like my, you know, Mr. So-and-so was all fired up and you know, it just was, it, it turned out to be, it turned out to be okay. They came, they came along willingly. <laughs> yeah, You know what? In a couple of years, there's nothing you could do. That's cool. You're, you're, you're standing at home plate for the world yep. series. There's nothing that could be cooler than that. And we're doing this interview just, just coincidentally on the 13th anniversary of Philly, the Phillies winning the world series. Oh, wow. Uh, yeah. Yeah. 
you, you, your journey is, is much like a regular ball player's journey. You went mm-hmm. through the minor leagues. I believe you worked at the New York Penn League, which you know, Jason, Jason and I, uh, before COVID, did a show for, about the Phillies minor league system. So we've been to all of these ballparks. Sure. What was it like going through that journey from, from league to league? And, and what's, what's the best story that you have of, of being in the minor leagues? Oh gosh. It that was, you can it tell was, on air. <laughs> <laughs> Suitable for air. <laughs> um, you know, first of all, it was, it was a great experience. You know, when you're, when you're going through it, you know, you know, that the, you know, the ultimate carrot at the end is wanting to get to the big leagues. And, you know, this is the, this is the road you have to take. Um, but at the same time, it's just, it's just such a blast. You, you, you come across and meet so many amazing people, both like other umpires you work with and just, there are people out there in the, in those small towns throughout different places in America that just like open their homes to you because they know you're, you're on the road. They take you in like, Hey, come on over, have a meal, come over, do your laundry, come over, like swim in our pool during the afternoon, like just feel like a normal kind of human being. And, and those are the, the, the memories. I mean, there, there's great on-field stuff, but the off-field stuff is almost more memorable and, and, and gratifying because you, you meet so many people and that's, what's blown me away since I got the world series call is, is so many people that it, it's like been a, in a stroll down memory lane these last, like this last week or so, like I've heard from so many people that honestly, part of me, I'd forgotten. I'm like, Oh my God. Yeah. Like they just, and they just reach out and it's like, Oh my God, Chris, we're so happy for you. I, I heard you got it. And we, we were, we were so overjoyed and, and you realize how many people you meet along the way and, and, and how many people have had a hand in getting me to where, you know, getting me to this point. Cause it's not just me. It's, my family, my friends, all those people I'm talking about now, um, that, that sharing it and, and, and help get you here. Um, on field stuff. It's, you know, I, I, I've thrown out, I've worked with a few guys that have thrown some mascots out of a game. We've thrown a PA announcer out of a game. Um, we've thrown the, the, we've thrown the scoreboard, uh, sound effect operator out of a game. What is, what does a, a, a mascot or a public address announcer have to do to get thrown out of the game by Chris? Well, back, back in the Penn League, you know, I think because it's just, you know, back there, it's about trying to generate the interest. <laughs> and, you know, like everybody's, you know, nobody's really a household name on the field. So it's like, how do we make this an event? You know, and 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 some people are are good about, you know, sort of towing the line and keeping it professional and others kind of like, all right, well, let's use the umpires. We'll, we'll make this a fun night at their expense. And, you know, it's, you know, it, it, it can get a little, get a little bit dicey. Um, you know, people, people love the story. I had an, I had an ejection in the Penn league and we had a, you know, and back then in a ball, you're working a two man umpire system. It's just one guy behind the plate, one guy on the bases. And we had a fair foul home run, which I was supposed to call as a plate umpire from 350 feet away. And I had absolutely no idea. Like the sun was setting right behind the foul pole. And I'm like, I heard, I heard a sound, so I knew it landed and I had to make a call. <laughs> so kind of flipped my imaginary coin and apparently I chose the wrong end. <laughs> and uh, so, the, so the, the manager who's Kevin Bowles, um, he comes out and he's like, he's like, Chris, can you ask your partner for help? I'm like, of course. I'm like, I have no idea what I, what I just called. <laughs> so I'll do whatever I can do to get this right. And I go to my partner. He didn't know. So I come back and Kevin's like, all right, Chris, look, you guys are good guys. I really like you, but um, I know this was a home run and you're going to have to kick me out of the game. I'm like, all right. He's like, I'm just going to kind of, I'm going to, you know, we're going to talk here for a minute and I'm just going to get a little more animated. And then, you know, I'm going to give you the, I'm going to give you the sign. And when I, when I do, that's when, you, that's when you do it. He's like, I'm like, all right, you just kind of say when Kevin, he's like, all right, I'm here I go. I'm, you know, like I'm getting, and he's getting more animated. And then finally he's like, 
takes off his hat and he's like now and he slams the hat to the <laughs> ground so i then i throw him out and then he's like screaming and yelling but he's screaming at me about the great italian restaurant to find a meal <laughs> and you know like where there's a decent bar to go have a drink and you know and then he then he peels off and leaves so to the crowd it looks like he's just airing me out and they love it and they're on their feet plotting and but and really he's just you were like really just getting dinner show, tips you know? for the night, yeah, basically. yeah so that's always like that's one of my go-to ones people people love that story it's like the you know, some arguments are people are really mad and they're saying some things that that are that are, you know, in the heat of the moment, um, you know, not very nice. But then there are those kind of moments where it's like, all right, I got to fire up my guys or, you know, make it make it look good. And, and that, that's one of those moments. So most, <laughs> most importantly, what's your relationship with the fanatic? <laughs> fanatic is fanatic has uh, been very, very good to, to me and my family. Uh, he'll he, uh, he's good. Uh, he's come down to our dressing room before the game. There's been a couple of times over the years where uh, I've actually got to work in Philly on my daughter's birthday. So he, he's actually made a, made a cameo appearance in our room before the game, which they just think is like fantastic. And then a couple of years ago, my sister-in-law, her 40th birthday, I was in town working and he went up into the section where we have tickets and took his picture, you know, took a picture with her. And so he's, he's, uh, he's very, very good to my family. So Love the fanatic. You know, you mentioned with the miners the road, and we've asked the players yeah. about the road, about those long yeah. bus trips and those long road trips. I had seen a quote from you at the beginning of COVID, basically, when you guys were driving around more as opposed to flying, where you said you work Pawtucket, Syracuse, Rochester, Buffalo Circuit for a couple of weeks. Then you make a long road trip, jump out to Toledo, Louisville, Indianapolis, yeah. Columbus, and then held down to South, South Durham. What was <laughs> that experience like? And then to sort of yeah. relive it a little bit uh, as a pro. Yeah, it was, it was, it was pretty cool. It was pretty cool, actually. Like there's a lot of us that, um, you know, that, that really enjoyed, I mean, like last year was tough for everybody for a number of reasons all over the place, obviously, but you know, the, the kind of the, the trips going back to, to driving, um, not, I mean, first and foremost, there are, there are, a, there are a million logistical things that, that get taken away when you don't have to worry about like flying, you know, when you just know like, oh, I'm going to work a game and then I'm just going to jump in this car and go you know, versus like, you know, oh my God, okay, now we're in extra innings and okay, I just missed my first flight and I just missed my second flight and I hope I can get out tomorrow morning. You know, it just, you know, those kind of logistical nightmares were, were gone. And then, you know, we, you know, when you, when you travel, you see people, you get on an airplane, people put their headphones on and they just get off into their own little world. But, you know, when, when we were traveling by, you know, by those vans, it's, it was like a, it was like a chance to, to stay close and stay tight. And, you know, you're watching movies together, you're playing cards together. You're just talking about life as just the miles are kind of clicking by on the road. And it really, it, it was reminiscent of, of the time in the minor leagues. Cause it was kind of the same thing. It was, you know, you're, you're, you know, you're spending eight, 10 hours in a, in a car with somebody, you know, even, you know, you're just sort of forced to, to deal with each other, you know, and you know, I mean, that's, like, that's how like Jeff each feels. Other, don't like each other. You got to figure it out. You that, know, that's um, how Jeff feels about doing the show with me. You just kind of forced <laughs> to be with each other. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to plead the fifth. How's that? <laughs> so so it, it was, it was, it was definitely kind of a, a throwback type feel going back to the, going back to our roots coming through the minor leagues. Uh, so it was, like I said, it was, it was, it was a tough year in a lot of ways, but um, you know, there were a lot of little silver linings, a lot of ways, ways we just made the best of it and, and got through. And that was certainly one of them. Well, you so. know, Chris, one, one of the silver linings of getting to talk to people like you isn't just to hear about your journey, but to also see, we, we talked to lots of, of athletes. We've talked to some of your fellow umpires. We talked mm -hmm. to people in the sports world about how you use the platform that you have to benefit the community. And one sure. of the reasons we wanted to have you on today 
was was because you're involved with UMS Care. And yep. we'd, li- we'd like you to just tell everybody a little bit about UMS Care and, and talk about the official leadership program mm-hmm. that you're going to be working on with the yep. Phillies. Yep. Well, th- thank you for the chance to do it because UMS Care is, is very near and dear to my heart. Um, it is the official charity of, of the Major League Baseball umpires. Um, and, and really, we, we endeavor to, in a way, just kind of give back and try to enrich the lives of, of young people. Um, we do that through a number of, of, of vehicles. Uh, the first way we do that, we have like an all-star scholarship program, which every year uh, we, there's a recipient picked who, uh, someone who has been adopted a little bit later in life and they're selected and they receive a scholarship every year through their four years of college. Um, another program is called uh, the Blue Crew Ticket Program, where we host um, youth-based organizations at ballparks. Obviously, this is, you know, kind of pre-COVID, um, where we, they would come to the ballpark and they would come about, you know, hour, hour and a half, come down to our dressing room. We kind of give them the behind-the-scenes tour, show them our dressing room, show them our equipment, uh, take them on the field, uh, get some pictures, answer their questions, uh, and really just give an experience to kids that you know, otherwise might not get a chance to ever go to a, a, a major league baseball ballpark. Um, you know, I get, I get to go there every day. There's, there's some days I think I, I admittedly probably take it for granted that I get to go there, that it's my office. And, and I'm, it never, it never amazes me that when we take, you know, kids and, and their folks or uh, their guardian on the field, like they're just, they're blown away. Like when they step foot on the field, they're like citizens bank or like, you know, they look around and, you know, it's, it's just the look on their faces is, is fantastic. Um, and then the other initiative is the, uh, um, blue for kids where several times a year umpires will go into to pediatric uh, hospitals throughout the country and we do build-a-bear programs uh, go through the hospital to the kids that are sick and fighting the fight and go into the rooms and do do build-a-bear with them and their families and that one is is a it's an amazing experience um, probably I mean they're all they're all special to me I, I think the the, the hospital visits are the most. I remember doing my first one years ago in Miami and I, I was, I was very nervous to go. I wasn't sure how, how I was going to react. I wasn't sure how the people were going to take to me. I'm just thinking, look, I'm just a, I'm kind of a lowly umpire. Like, who am I to, you know, like, what am I, you know, I'm just, I'm kind of a nobody, you know? And, but to go in and, and, and to see the, the way their faces would light up and how appreciative the families are to come in for just, five minutes and maybe just take their mind off of what they're going through for a little bit. Um, and inevitably they would, they would probably make me feel better than I probably ever made them feel. And it was just a, just an amazing experience to do that. So those are, those are three of the kind of the major initiatives. And then this new leadership program, um, pretty new. And, you know, we've been thinking of, 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 of different ways to reach young people. And, you know, as everybody probably notices nowadays, there's a, there's a little bit of a shortage in officiating for youth sports, not just in baseball, but all, all across the, the spectrum. Um, and we kind of see what some of these officials are going through at the, at the youth and amateur level dealing with, you know, you see some of these situations play out in different videos of the, of parents and, you know, running on the field or chasing these people down in the locker or, you know, in the, in the, the parking lot over a, over a youth baseball game. And, and what we're trying to do is, you know, generate an interest um, show kids that, you know, there is an avenue to being involved in sports other than, than being a player. Um, you know, and it's understandable that when you're that age, you know, you think, 
you know, if you're interested in baseball, you think you're going to be patrolling center field in Yankee stadium or at citizens bank. And I felt the same thing growing up in Massachusetts, thought I'd be playing at Fenway park. And it wasn't long before I was disabused of that notion. Cause I, you know, I think I peaked in about eighth grade as a player. So, <laughs> you know, you, 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 that's you, later you than to... me. <laughs> Jeff so, keeps making me try out and show my lack of athletic skills. So don't worry about it. Um, so, we're, you know, we're just, we're, we're trying to, to, to find a way for these kids to know that there are different avenues to get in there and also have the support of major league umpires um, that it's, you, you know, we all, there's so many, there's so many calls you make. There's so many situations you're exposed to. Some of them go really well. Some of them do not You have to learn to have, you know, short-term memory loss because, you know, baseball and any, and any other sport, especially as official and even the player, it's, it's a humbling thing. One day you think, Oh yeah, I got this and got it all figured out. And then, you know, the next day it's like, you feel like you never did it before in your entire life. Cause something happens and you're like, you know, so it, it's, it's, uh, um, you know, it, it, it's a, it's a way to, to try to connect the kids, to turn them on to, to the, to officiating, pair them up possibly with, um, you know, umpires as mentors, you know, expose them to a curriculum that, that, that gives them some further insight into what we go through on the field, as far as the actual, you know, career and, in the job and then some of the things that it takes off the field to do to do it as well so um it's it's relatively new but i think it's a i think there's a need for it certainly um i think i think um some of the early returns have been have been positive and um we're excited to to bring it to the philly area and, and see what we can do and how can people participate that would be probably a uh question most directed to the umps care staff um if they go if they go to uh, our umps care website our professional staff there um is the best there is they're fantastic um anybody umpscare.com right on your screen um <laughs> it's uh either jen skolachenko platt jen joplin amy rosewater um any of them reach out umpscare.com and they will certainly get you headed in the right direction so um they're just uh, can't say I can't you know I could spend this entire interview saying wonderful things about them because they're just they're fantastic in what they do they make it very easy for us to to show up and 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 do what we do but they're the real they're the real heroes of this thing. So well, Chris, Chris, we really do appreciate all your time. We know you have you're busy tonight because uh, if we turn on the TV, we'll be seeing you uh, doing another <laughs> World Series game. Yeah. I do have to get ask you a question before you go. Sure. How long did it take you to come up with your balls and strikes call? Um, you know what, it's, it's definitely evolved over time. You know, I, I certainly what I do now is not what I started doing way back in way back in the day. A little you know, less I, animated now. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, it's, uh, you know, it's not Frank Drebin naked gun stuff, you know, but, um, you know, it's, you know, the, the thing you learn when you first get in, it's, um, you know, everybody, they kind of teach you all the same mechanics, like at umpire school and early on in the minor leagues, everybody, everybody's kind of doing a similar thing. But then as you get more time, you know, they sort of encourage you to find something that fits for your personality, because ultimately, I always think that that's, that's when you're going to give yourself the chance to be the best you can be when you're out there just what comes naturally to you. So it's sort of been an evolving thing over time. And kind of where I'm at now is probably in the last handful of years is what I've been doing. It's just something that makes me feel comfortable and makes me only worry about, you know, getting getting the pitch right and not, you know, the, one of the worst things we can do as officials is actually be out there thinking too much. Sometimes it's just better to just stay, you know, I'm calling balls and strikes, just keep my mind as blank as I can find the pitch out of the pitcher's hand, follow it to the mitt and just call what I see. And 
then just my mechanics are just what they are. They're not something I want to think about or worry about, or um, just kind of, it's a ball or a strike or, you know, whatever, but it just, it, it's kind of a thing that evolves organically over time. Well, look, I mean, we could talk about on the field all day, but kudos to you and the umps for everything you're doing off the field. Uh, umpscare.com is the website. We encourage everybody to, to give it a look and see how you can help the umps yep. make an impact through so many different ways on the community. Chris, thanks so much for the time. Look forward to seeing yep. you on our TV tonight and for the other games. Absolutely. Thank you guys. Appreciate you having me. Have a great day. You have a wonderful one. Can you can you imagine his journey, Jeff, that he went on to get to that point? I, I would like to have I would like to have like all the umpires in and just tell their best story about an argument with a player, a coach, a fan, something. Because that that story about a, a manager sitting there yelling at him we restaurant recommendations. We didn't ask him if he took the recommendation <laughs> and went to dinner. It's uh, that was, and, and then saying, and throw me out now. <laughs> <laughs> now I'm going to question every time I see somebody toss from the game. No, it was, uh, it was fun to talk to him, and I'm always impressed by what the umps do in terms of their action in the community. I know they get a lot of critiques from people with how close or not they think are. About, think about how hard a job it is, though. I oh. mean, look, we all, we're all critical of them. It's all it's it's impacted our fandom, as you like to say, but. Think about how hard it is the split second. Like I, I, people always sit there and they'll yell at players from the stands about when they miss a strike or a ball or an umpire does it. It's a split second with something moving close to a hundred miles an hour, and no replay. And you're talking about whether or not it's three inches inside or outside in an imaginary square. You mentioned something to him as we have three minutes left that takes us back to happier times. Jeff, tell me about 13 years ago today. Happy anniversary to all the Phillies and their fans because 13 years ago today, at least 45,000 of us were in the stadium when the Phillies won their last was World that, Series. Is that the continuation of the rain game? Yep. It's day, day two was October 27th, and, and the, uh, day one was October 27th, and the second and final part of it was October 29th. Were you there for that game? Yeah, it was, I was there for both parts of it, and it was. Uh, the, I mean, the first part was miserable. It was. It was absolutely horrible. It was like needles coming at you in in the freezing rain, and and the second part of it was probably the coolest experience I've ever had in sports because that was just a it, celebration from the start. Well, it was. It was also. It was condensed. It was the intensity was as you pick up two thirds of the way through the game almost. And the intensity is there for the potential of winning a World Series for a team that hasn't done it in so long. And it was, I, I mean, I don't think it was a coronation. I, th I think because it was a game that was still a contest, but it was, it was just an incredible experience to be there. Getting out of the parking lot was a whole different experience, but it was, it was an amazing experience. And hopefully we're going to have one of the Phillies on either next week or in the next couple of weeks to talk about that experience. And now we're stuck watching the Astros and the Braves, Jeff. Yes, and, and and to be fair, it's because we are not crack reporters. We did not ask the question that probably everybody's like screaming at the radios. Ask them if there's any trash cans in the Astro Stadium. <laughs> <laughs> but you wanted to. Oh, I did. You definitely wanted to. Um, look, they should. They should make them remove all trash cans, and then and then. <laughs> the amazing thing about it is there is a real hatred towards the Astros now. And there's only four players left from that team. They just happen to be the four stars of the team, right? So it's Bregman, Correa, Altuve, and I don't even know who the fourth guy is. Well, Dusty wasn't there at the time. Dusty wasn't there. I don't think Dusty's ever won a World Series either. 
So it's like hard not to root for Dusty to get it, but I, I don't want the Astros to get it. I didn't think I would ever root for, for Atlanta. Oh, you're not rooting for the Braves. Stop it. I'm not rooting for them, but if they went, like Freddie Freeman, it's like like we've talked about this earlier. Freddie Freeman's just like a good guy. He's, he's just not a guy that you can root against. This would be the second World Series for Dusty. Didn't he get one with San Francisco? Hey, and, and Charlie Morton can play hockey. You, you may have not liked him when he was here. Charlie Morton threw 16 pitches on a broken leg. Kurt Schilling could take his bloody sock and... You can he go he lost to the Angels. He didn't win a title. That's it. Thanks so much for joining us this week. Make sure to join us next Friday night to help start your weekend in style. Have a great one. We'll talk to you next week. Bye-bye. I am Melissa Canavo Marino inviting you to join me and Nick Alessandrini right here on WWDB 860 every Sunday afternoon from 2 to 3 for Viaggio Musicale. The program features Italian and Italian-American classics, both old and